you know, today's message is, I've entitled it Enjoying God. Last week, uh, Chris talked about uh, living in the moment. Uh, I guess he had a, a, a cupcake with a candle, kind of celebrate, celebrate the moment. We had the same message back home. It was, enjoy today, enjoy the moment. Uh, because God is, God is present in us in this very moment. And oftentimes when we think about God and we talk about God, we think about Him in the past, what He did, or in the future, what He might do. But to experience Him, it's always present. And that's what we're going to talk about today, enjoying God in the moment. A man was talking to God one day and he said, Lord, uh, Lord, please give me everything that I may enjoy life. And the Lord smiled and said to him, he said, son, I... I've given you life that you may enjoy everything. That's really kind of what this message is about. I think at home I'm going to tell that, 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 that short little story just every single Sunday to remind us He's given us life that we may enjoy everything. You know, the, the most surprising thing to me when I was thinking about this, preparing it, we came up here and we had some meetings with the, uh, the planning team up here. The most surprising thing to me about enjoying the moment, and this may not be surprising to you, but it was to me, is that it is a choice. We can, we can choose that. I think sometimes we think that, that circumstances are thrust upon us and, you know, and we just have to deal with those, uh, which that may be the case in a small amount of the time, but we still have the choice of how we respond to our circumstances. And we have choices to make every moment. And as, as a matter of fact, our life is really made up of the constellation of choices that we make. The great thing about that is this. If you, if you change your choices, you can change your life. So there, there's, a, there's another video that um, was planned to show, and I, it works out so perfectly for uh, my message. It's a, it's, a, it's a video of the man's life that we kind of, this weekend we set aside to celebrate his life, Dr. King. Certainly Dr. King made uh, choices in his life. And because of those choices that he made, the, not only our country, but the world has been impacted by choices that he made. Let's watch that video. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted. Every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all 
flesh shall see it together. So this weekend we celebrate the life choices of Dr. King. And, and, and there's no doubt the choices that he made in life are important for us to remember. But Chris and I believe not just on this weekend, but those life choices we need to remember all the time. Choices like to be more inclusive and not exclusive. Choices to be more tolerant and not less. To promote nonviolent resolution to conflict. And the, the, the great thing about this is, is these, these, this way of living, this choosing this life, didn't originate with Dr. King, did it? It originated with Jesus. Just go and read the Sermon on the Mount. Here's the truth. The life that you're living today, for better or worse, no matter what it is, it's because of the choices that you made because of the choices that you made. Now, this can be difficult news to hear. There's no doubt about that. Um, but it also can be great news. And what I mean by that is uh, the, the difficult news can be, well, I'm, I'm in a difficult place. We all find ourselves in a difficult place in our life from time to time. And to take responsibility for it and say, well, I'm here uh, because of choices that I've made. Now, that's, that's the difficult truth behind this idea of choices. But the encouraging thought is this, and I've already mentioned it once, and I'm going to say it again and again. If you change your choices, you can change your life. You can change the trajectory of your life by making different choices. I have a question for you about choice. If there were a road, if you were standing at a crossroads, and there was a road, that would lead to whatever enjoyment of God is available in this life. Because I think that, I think that that's, that's limited, right? I think the Bible kind of tells us that, that, that the enjoyment we'll experience with God now is only partial enjoyment, right? And then one day when we see Him face to face, it'll be a, a, a fulfillment. But the good news is this. Partially enjoying God now is better than fully enjoying anything else. So if there were a road that you could take that would lead to whatever enjoyment of God is available in this life, would you take it? Do you think, and and, and preparing for this message, I asked some of my friends, I talked to different people, and I said, what do you think it means to enjoy God? Do you think it's even possible to enjoy God? And what does that mean to you? And so as I talked to people, I, I, I began to just pen some things down and, talk, and, and, and uh, come up with some ways that I think, and it may be counterintuitive to you, ways in which we enjoy God in this life. See, there, there, are, there are always a crossroad. There are two ways. There's our way, 
And there's God's way. Our way tends to be the way of control. We want to choose. We want to do things our way. Because we think that therein lies enjoyment. Here's some truths that I hope that you'll, that you'll discover, you've discovered in your life. As you discover an appetite for God, you'll also begin at the same time to discover a secondary appetite for genuine relationships in life. You'll long for conversations that matter. At some point, you'll realize how strongly you have a desire to be a blessing to others regardless of whether they're a blessing to you. So there's this way of control we'll call, we'll call the old school way. And there's also a new way. The old school way is that we desire control. That we want what we want. The appeal for control gives an illusion of enjoyment. But this old school way has a stronghold on us. This, to me, this might be why Paul says this. And, and I know you can relate to this because I can too. Paul says, why do I do the things that I know I shouldn't do? It's that, it's that allure of control. The old way is this. Trying hard to do things right so that I can get the good things in life that I want. And that allure is so powerful. It's the old adage, uh, a bird in the hand, the, the, the um, control of blessing is worth more than two in the bush. The promise that if I draw near to God, God will draw near to me. So we stand at a fork in the road. Let me see if I could just kind of read the road ahead a little bit, like in the, in the video for the Subaru. They kind of saw the two roads, and they kind of were reading the road ahead. Let me read our road maybe a little bit. You, like me, feel the pressures of life. The pleasures that you do experience, for the most part, don't reach deep into your soul. They leave you somewhat empty. But the pressure to keep them coming is always, always there. Sometimes maybe you feel your shoulders aren't big enough for the pressures of life. And life, to some degree, has been disappointing. This is the life of living an old school way. Now, you don't feel disappointed when you're closing the deal, when you're eating, when you're drinking, when you're having fun, and, or even other meaningful activities. Like one author put it, when your life is working out as you want and pleasures keep rolling in, it's hard to crank up a lot of interest uh, for the spiritual side of life. Things are going just fine, so we tend to call that the Christian life. But it's when times get hard, when they get difficult, when, when the life you're living isn't satisfying something deep inside of you. It ceases to be interesting or compelling any longer. Maybe you're there. Maybe you don't believe that it's actually possible to enjoy God now. And you're standing at that fork in the road. I, I, I remember, I, I remember that fork in the road. 
The old way is this, living to use God to enjoy something else. Are you with me? Right? It's like the, the, the man prays, give me everything that I may enjoy life. And God's in my life and I think I need Him because I really want to enjoy all these other things. And so I, I live my life and I try to do things. Listen, I did this. I did this as a missionary. I think I told you the story before when I came back from Africa and we lost our, our son in childbirth. I began to think, what's wrong? God, I'm doing this. I'm sacrificing. You're supposed to take care of my life. This isn't supposed to happen to me. It's that I was using God to get everything else and find enjoyment in everything else. But the new way, the new way of living the, is enjoying Him. But I want you to know, it, it is possible to enjoy God. Uh, Augustine of Hippo uh, wrote this. He said, Lord, let me know myself that I may know you. This is referred to as double knowledge. Knowing the Lord and knowing ourself. I think all of Christian growth, for all of us, is based on these two things. Knowing God and knowing ourself. It's proverbial chicken and egg. Which comes first? They, they, they come together. It's hard to know God without knowing yourself. It's hard to know yourself without knowing God. As we get, to, get closer to God, as we read His Word, our, our, our innermost being begins to re, be revealed to ourself. You know, uh, I was reading something the other day, and um, I used to think of, the Bible talks about this God thing being a mystery. How many think it's a mystery? It's just, sometimes I just don't, like, don't get it, right? I mean, and as so I read it, and I used to think a mystery was something that you're just not going to understand. But I was reading Richard Rohr the other day, and Richard Rohr said this. He said, actually, a mystery is something that you continually understand. Right? Does that make sense? How many of you have ever gone to a mystery dinner? Anybody ever gone to a mystery dinner? Just, okay, a couple people have gone to a mystery dinner. Well, it's not that you go in there and you're totally in the dark the whole time. You don't get anything, Right? You get clues and you figure things out and you grow in your knowledge of this mystery. I thought, that makes total sense. And this mystery is one that you ever grow in. That's exciting to me. Because if you could ever get to the place where you knew everything and you understood God, that image, that concept that you landed on would cease to be God, would it not? The minute you thought that you had him pinned down and nailed down and figured out, that wouldn't be God. So this mystery is one that we continually figure out. I once thought it was about knowledge, so I pursued that. I studied and gained as much knowledge about God as I could. But as I matured and my life unfolded, and I experienced pain, uh, brokenness, hurt, rejection. I began to realize that, that knowledge about Him wasn't enough. That I needed Him. I needed to be able to enjoy Him. So like Augustine, I needed to know myself honestly. To know Him. So I started sitting, I sat down, I started to say, okay, what? I started to read my Bible try to find 
what is enjoying God and how can I enjoy Him? So I want to give you three things this morning about enjoying God. The first one is this. The first one may not be too surprising, but I want to talk to you a little bit deeper about it. The first one is simply this, uh, solitude and meditation. Now meditation, I think in our in our Western Christian culture is almost like a four-letter word, meditation. Oh, you don't meditate. You shouldn't do that. The Bible talks a lot about meditation. Jesus often got alone to spend time with God. Now, I know this is something that you heard before, but I want to I make a case for it. I want to talk to you about the benefits of getting away, solitude. I, I don't just mean being alone. That's not what I, I mean. I mean solitude, getting by yourself with God. And that's why meditation comes with solitude. So let me first, before I talk about meditation and what it is, let me talk about some benefits of meditation. Meditation is this. It's a time of transition from, from seeing and understanding just you and seeing God somewhere else. Because frankly, frankly, we live that way a lot of times. I listen to people pray sometimes, and they pray as if God is somewhere else. It's so strong in Christianity that, that it's almost like a fundamental understanding that, well, I understand me, and I'm here, and I can understand God and things about Him, and He's, he's someplace else. But this idea that God came here, and God is here now, and He's in us. The, the idea of God being somewhere else. So I listen to some people pray. They say, God, we, you know, we, we, we need your presence. Would you please come? And we, right? That's actually a pagan idea, concept of God. That God's somewhere else. He's distant from us. And He'll only come near to us if we plead and beg. And if, we, if we're living right, then somehow we'll, we'll encourage Him to come. But the beauty of Christianity is, is that God didn't wait for us to beg Him to come. He came into this world. He came to us, and He wants to dwell and live in us. You see, this, this, the, the, the single most important thing you have is your concept of God. And so a right concept of God is so important. So when we, when we spend time alone, we realize, I'm really not alone. That God is with me. God is in me. And so meditation helps us see the merging of God and us. Now that may sound strange to you, but that's what we believe, right? Colossians says, uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. Meditation always brings us to a, also brings us to a place of harmony with God. Also, harmony with God allows us to be in harmony with the world around us. And that's really Dr. King's, Dr. King's passion was to live his life for Christ, to live it out, to live in harmony with the world around him. Meditation brings about true transformation. As you connect with God, your real, your, your authentic self becomes, be, begins to show. 
And you begin to naturally learn more about yourself. So that, that's their spiritual benefits. Let me talk about some mental benefits of solitude and meditation. Anxiety is decreased. Emotional stability improves. Creativity and happiness increase. It sharpens your mind and helps you gain focus. Some physical benefits. It lowers, meditation actually lowers your blood pressure. It lowers levels of lactate, reducing anxiety attacks. It decreases any tension-related pain, such as tension headaches, ulcers, insomnia, muscle and joint problems. It increases serotonin production in your brain to improve your mood and your behavior. It improves the immune system. It increases energy level as you gain inner strength. Now, it is impossible. It is possible to enjoy God. And, and getting alone in, in a quiet place, in solitude, and meditating on God. So where do we begin? How, how do we begin doing that? What does that mean? Well, let's look at some scriptures. Proverbs 1 says this. The man who meditates on God will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and his leaf does not wither. What a great metaphor. A man who meditates takes time to get away to meditate on God, will be, a, will be a man who is who is rooted, who is stable, who is well-nourished, who is mature, who is growing, who is fruitful. Psalm 77 says this, I will meditate on all your activity and ponder over your dealings. So where do I start? How do I, how do I begin meditating? Here's how I began. I sat down in a quiet place and I, I tried to quiet my mind. And what I did is I came up with a sacred phrase or a word, something that, something that when my mind began to wander, which it will, to come back to, to focus on God, right? The Bible says this in Philippians, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what? Think about such things. That's what I did. I thought about those things. And I sat quietly. And one of the things that you do is you practice breathing. I told my church this last week. This is a, I've been studying meditation and how important breathing is. When you breathe, when you inhale, if you inhale for like a four count, you should learn to exhale for at least double that. Try that with me. Inhale for a four count. Now exhale, try it for eight count. Did you find that hard? I think sometimes we're, we're so used to such a fast pace in life and we're, our breathing is, is heavy, it's labored, and it's quick, it's shallow. You actually trick your body, I say trick, tell your body that you're in a relaxed state because your body breathes like that when you're relaxed. The longer exhale. So this is what I read. Listen to this. 20 minutes of controlled meditative breathing is equivalent to six hours of sleep. Isn't that amazing? Just 20 minutes of controlled meditative breathing. So when you're thinking about your breathing, one of the things it does for you, for you and for me, it brings us to the present moment, doesn't it? Because your breathing is now. It's present. It helps you be present. What did I start out with? 
The way, when you experience God is in the now, in the present moment. You don't experience Him in the past. That's gone. It's, not, it's over. You don't experience Him in the future. That's a potential experience of God. You experience God right now in this moment. So meditation helps us to experience Him and to experience joy. The second thing is this. This may surprise you. The second thing to experience God, to enjoy God, is by service. By service. You know, I know as pastors, Chris and I talk, I try to get people involved in church. And people think that it's because uh, I just need help, which we do. But it's because it's what we were built for. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That's why you were made. To do good works. To do good things. And the Bible says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we experience God by living, by service. Doing what we were created to do. Now I know some of you are thinking, some of you are thinking, yeah, I've heard that before and, and that whole thing about my purpose and I just don't know. I pray God, you know, God doesn't tell me my purpose. I, just, I don't know what to do. It's, friends, it's not that complicated. Don't, be, don't wait around for a voice to tell you your purpose. It's really simple. The best way to know what God designed you for is by a simple acronym, the word SHAPE. SHAPE. The S stands for spiritual gifts. God has given each of us spiritual gifts, things like leadership, service, teaching, giving, faith, helps, wisdom, pastoring, hospitality, and the list goes on and on and on. You can find them in the Bible. The Bible even says celibacy is a gift. I don't have that one. Some of you may. But the S is spiritual gift. The second is your heart. Your heart, what is it that you have a passion for? What is it that you desire? God has placed things on your heart. There are, there are things that you're passionate about that someone else is not passionate about. The A stands for ability. You have skills. What are you good at? Maybe you're good at music. Maybe you're good at building. Maybe you're good at, I mean, any number of things. We all have abilities. The P stands for personality. Maybe you're a, an outgoing, energetic person. Maybe you're a, more of a stoic, kind of laid-back kind of person. You have a different personality that God has placed in you. And you may say, well, someone may have the same spiritual gift as me. Someone may have the same type of heart or even the same abilities. And maybe even a similar personality. There's one thing they don't have. The E stands for experiences. You have experiences in your life that no one else has. Friend, and all these things together make you, you. Give you your shape. And so take a look at yourself like we tell our children. What is it that you're good at? What is it that you like to do? What is it you're gifted at? What has God placed in your heart? You ever try to uh, advise a, a young person, a teenager, about college, right? Well, what, what, do you, what do you say? What do you like? What do you like? What do you like? What are you good at? What's on your heart? What do you have a passion for? What have you, what have you done in the past that, that, that it, just, it, just, it just, you know, you get juiced, man, when you wake up in the morning. I can't wait to do that again. My one son started playing guitar a year ago 
It's as if the, it's as if the guitar is calling out to him. I'll say, Brock, go take the trash out. He'll be walking to the trash. He'll pass his guitar. He'll pick it up. It's as if it's calling out to him. That's passion. It's, it inspires him. What inspires you? Friend, when you, when you start to live by your shape, you'll start to enjoy God in ways that you never dreamed possible. I was reading a book by Lee Strobe when he talked about this. He talked about contrasted two people. One was Madonna, the singer, and one was Mother Teresa. And Madonna said this. She focused all her energies on enjoying life. And not only did she not enjoy life, but she didn't know anybody that enjoyed life. And Mother Teresa, she said, life is fantastic. She spent her life in service to others. The last thing, maybe, maybe the most counterintuitive thing of all, and that's share God. Share Him. And you may be thinking, well, no, that's, you share Him because you experience Him. I experience God and I enjoy God, so I share Him. It's like a movie. You go see a great movie, read a good book. What do you want to do? You want to go share that. But there's something about the sharing of that book or that movie that helps you re-experience that experience. There's also a scripture in Philemon that talks about that. It talks about the active sharing of your faith journey and your story is for you. And then there's some passages. Let me just read these to you about sharing God's love. It says this in Luke 12. When you're doing that at the same time, the Spirit will teach you what to say. So as you go and you're talking about God's love, the Spirit in you is now kind of kind of rising up and, 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 and leading you and helping you. Jesus said this, Also, the Spirit in you will remind you of everything that I have said. And then in Romans 8, finally it says this, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we share God with others, we are experiencing God's presence in our life and His joy. So through daily solitude and contemplative meditation, through daily acts of service flowing from our shape, and through sharing with others this perfect, this overwhelming, restoring, comforting, empowering, redemptive love of God, we enjoy our life in Christ.